Good morning, Alex and friends. I'm Connie. Today is Thursday, August 31st, 2023, and you're listening to Alex's News. It's a sizzler in Riverside today, friends, with a high reaching 97.7 and an anticipated low of 74.8. So do remember to keep cool and stay hydrated. But let's switch gears and get into the day's news. First up, the Department of Health and Human Services is wading into the marijuana domain and recommending a rescheduling of the plant in an attempt to ease federal restrictions and mitigate criminal penalties. We'll be diving into what changes this might bring and how it could affect you. In our second story, we're sharpening the lens on student loans as repayment times are fast approaching. We know it can be daunting, so we've gathered some key insights and strategies to help you navigate this period smoothly. Lastly, we'll be unpacking a major move in the tech world as Microsoft unbundles Teams from Office. This is all part of their strategy to dodge antitrust fines in the EU. Stay tuned for all this and more coming up on Alex's News. Our top story today involves the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, also known as HHS, and a groundbreaking recommendation they've just given to the Drug Enforcement Administration, typically known as the DEA, concerning marijuana policy. To brief us on this matter, we have expert reporter Elias. Elias, could you break down the basics of this development for us? Absolutely, Connie. Federal restrictions on marijuana could potentially be eased due to a recommendation made by the HHS, Secretary Xavier Becerra revealed on Twitter that HHS's response to President Biden's request for a marijuana scheduling recommendation has been processed. To that point of our conversation, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has said HHS endorses moving marijuana from a Schedule 1 down to a Schedule 3 controlled substance. A move like this could drastically lower or even obliterate criminal penalties for its possession. So, for those who might not know, how does this system of scheduling work for controlled substances? A good question, Connie. Under the DIA, drugs are classified into various schedules based on their accepted medical use, safety under medical supervision, and their potential for abuse. Schedule 1 drugs, which presently includes marijuana as well as drugs like heroin and LSD, are described as having no accepted medical use, a lack of safety under medical supervision, and a high potential for abuse. If this change does happen, what could be the implications? Well, moving marijuana down to Schedule 3 could come with several impacts. One major effect would be a change in how marijuana businesses are taxed. Right now, marijuana falls under the Internal Revenue Code 280E, which restricts credits and deductions for businesses trafficking Schedule 2 or 3 substances. There would also be a significant shift in research, as marijuana would no longer be considered too dangerous for study although it would not completely legalize state-level marijuana programs. Also, the regulations and requirements for manufacturing and distributing Schedule Three substances would still apply, Connie. Now, Elias, looking at the wider picture, how was this news received, and who reported it first? Initially, the story was broken by Bloomberg News. Key influencers in this discussion, such as the nonprofit U.S. Cannabis Council, have expressed much optimism following the recommendation. They're hopeful that rescheduling marijuana would create benefits, like signaling to the criminal justice system that cannabis is considered a lower priority and elevating the cannabis industry's economic support, Connie. 
Now, Elias, considering the prospect of this indeed happening, what could be the likely aftermath on a larger scale? This potential rescheduling is highly substantial for American drug policy. It could alleviate issues like high taxation and a lack of banking services for cannabis businesses. However, the impact on the marijuana industry's access to financial services is still unclear. The HHS recommendation is a crucial step here, but the final decision remains in the hands of the DIA. The Biden administration initially aimed to announce the rescheduling of marijuana in the fall, but it's uncertain at this point when the DEA's review process will conclude. Certainly something to keep an eye on. Well, Elias, thank you so much for your comprehensive breakdown of this critical issue. Thanks for having me, Connie. We're moving to our second story of the day from NerdWallet. It discusses an important topic for our millions of student loan borrowers out there. The article details the return to repayment and some crucial points to consider. Our expert news reporter, Grace, joins us to break this down. Grace, could you start by giving us an overview of the situation? Of course, Connie. As many will know, federal student loan payments have been on pause due to COVID-19, but they're set to resume soon. NerdWallet talks about an option for borrowers called the on-ramp, which offers a one-year delay of loan payments from October 1, 2023 to September 30, 2024. That sounds like it could be really helpful for some people, Grace. Can you elaborate on how this on-ramp works? Absolutely. This on-ramp period is designed to protect borrowers from falling into delinquency or default for missing payments. It also ensures that missed payments aren't reported to credit bureaus and that unpaid student loan interest does not accumulate, which could be a great relief for many. Indeed, it does sound like a great deal. But I understand there are some downsides to using the on-ramp. Can you tell us more about that? You're absolutely right, Connie. Even though borrowers won't accrue unpaid interest, the overall interest will still continue to pile up during the on-ramp period enlarging the total amount of debt. Additionally, the on-ramp does not count towards loan forgiveness under income-driven repayment plans or public service loan forgiveness. So, it sounds like while the on-ramp offers temporary relief, it's not a long-term solution. What other options do borrowers have? NerdWallet mentions an alternative repayment plan called Saving on a Valuable Education, or SAVE. This allows for $0 monthly payments while working towards loan forgiveness and doesn't let unpaid interest accumulate. For those with individual incomes below $32,800 or family incomes below $67,500, SAVE could be a better option. And what actions should borrowers take ahead of this return to repayment? The article strongly suggests that borrowers need to update their contact information and confirm their owed amount with their loan servicers. Apart from that, they should consider different repayment strategies like making lump sum payments or enrolling in income-driven repayment plans. I understand there's also talk about student debt cancellation. What's happening with that? Yes, Connie. It's a bit confusing at the moment. President Biden's initial plan for debt cancellation was rejected. The White House is now trying to find another legal way to accomplish this. If debt cancellation happens, it's still uncertain if payments made during the on-ramp would be refunded. That certainly seems like a lot to consider. Any advice for borrowers as they navigate this? Borrowers need to examine their individual financial circumstances and explore all the repayment options available, including save. 
while on-ramp provides short-term respite. If they can afford to make payments come October, they should look into doing so. That's absolutely helpful, Grace. Thanks for shedding light on this crucial topic. We appreciate it. It's my pleasure, Connie. We move to our third story of the day. Microsoft has announced that it's planning to separate its Teams chat and video app from the office suite in Europe. This was, apparently, a response to antitrust concerns voiced by the European Union. This is a fairly complex situation with a lot of potential implications, so our tech correspondent Ethan is here to walk us through it. Ethan, could you start by explaining that EU investigation that prompted Microsoft's decision? Absolutely, Connie. So, the European Commission began an investigation following concerns raised by Slack, another workplace communication app owned by Salesforce. They lodged a complaint against Microsoft, claiming unfair competition because Teams was bundled with the office suite. This follows a larger trend with tech companies facing scrutiny for potentially monopolistic business practices. So this move is in response to all of that? Yes, it seems to be a preemptive move by Microsoft to avoid potential antitrust fines from the EU. Interesting. So what are some key elements of Microsoft's proposed changes here? Well, starting October 1st, Teams will be sold separately from the Office product in the EU and Switzerland. The suite without Teams will be offered at a lower price to core enterprise customers. They're also introducing additional support resources for customers wishing to switch from Teams to another product. This is quite a shift. What other steps are Microsoft taking here? Another crucial step they're taking is developing a method to use Office web applications within competitors' apps and services, much like they do with Teams. These changes aim to address the complaints and alleviate the concern of European business customers as well. Could you tell us what happens if these steps don't appease the EU? Should these actions not satisfy the EU, the bloc could impose formal antitrust charges against Microsoft in the autumn. It's a significant risk, as Microsoft has faced antitrust fines in the EU before, specifically for bundling multiple products together. So, it's a compliance move but also an effort to stay competitive. Ethan, would you hazard any speculation about what this could mean for Microsoft and the overall tech industry in the long term? Certainly, Connie. Microsoft seems to hope that this move will help it avoid fines and negative press while offering more choices to customers. But for the broader tech industry, the implications could be vast, as it might set a precedent for other companies facing similar scrutiny. We might see increased transparency and a proactive approach to antitrust concerns in the tech space moving forward. That's definitely a story we'll continue to follow. Thanks to our sources who helped us uncover and understand this, Reuters and the Microsoft EU Policy Blog. And thank you, Ethan, for your insights. Always glad to discuss, Connie. That's all we have for now. Today's episode was made by Alexander King with GPT-4, GPT-3.5 Turbo, the 11 Labs Text-to-Speech API, and the Google Cloud Text-to-Speech API. I hope you have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow, Alex.